Welcome to the 58 West King Podcast. I am your host, Tony Cosentino. Today, I'm joined by Nate Molinay of the Taco Court Fantasy Football Podcast. How are you doing, Nate? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm doing great. We've got a lot of work ahead of us here. Before we get into it, though, let's do some manager on manager. And why don't you go ahead and get us started? All right. So my question for you today is, what is happiness to you? So it's a good question. And I hate that you're asking it. Because I don't know, I kind of see you going through like some stuff and you're kind of hot and cold. And I, I mean, I'm probably not as bad or maybe not as bad as I like to admit. But I guess before that, like my wife makes me happy. My kids make me happy, like watching them grow up, teaching them stuff, um, trying to set them up for success, but just hanging out with them and like doing whatever. But other times, though, I kind of struggle with deciding like in my mind what happiness is for me. It's pretty bad for me because like I got a great family, couldn't ask for a better family. I got a great job doing really well, couldn't ask for a better job. I'm in a pretty good spot. I got a good group of friends pretty good support network kind of backing me up. I'm in good health, good shape. Uh, We were lucky enough to be born in America, the greatest country in the world. So like I have all this shit going for me, but like, I don't know, I still struggle with just being happy about it. I think I kind of take those things for granted. For some reason, I just get in those moods where like, I'm just not able to appreciate like how good I have it and be happy with where I'm at. So I don't know, I probably need like some mental Kung Fu training or something to deal with that. Yeah, I feel that. I think it's a thing I struggle with a lot is to understand like what the word happy means or what it is to me, right? Like there's part of it feels like it should be gratitude, right? Like being in America, even if you're at the poverty line is like the top 3% of the entire globe. To be a human on Earth, the percentage of every other species and living thing on planet Earth, and we get to be humans, right? Like, that's something to be grateful for, and I guess that can make you happy, too. But I guess I'm kind of struggling with it when it comes to, like, what is happiness in my work? What do I enjoy doing? What is, you know, what what are the things that I'm, the little things that should constitute, like, a, how would you say it, like, a cumulative effect to be happy, so I don't know, it's just something I was pondering. Then I figured I'd ask you to see what your thoughts are. So I did post that thing on Facebook the other day thinking about it because I was like, well, at least if I'm true to myself, right, and who I am, because I put myself in situations that like drag me through the mud, but it's who I am. Like it's, I'm really vulnerable at times. So, and I deliberately put myself in those positions because it makes me feel like who I am. So, mm-hmm. um, but it leaves you really open to have her feelings or whatever it may be uh, to get down a lot easier. And, and that's something I'm trying to deal with. So I figured I would ask. So do you like beat yourself up in your head? Like, are you your own critic? Like your own worst critic, I guess? Yeah, I'm terrible. Like I go through days where I feel really good about myself. And then there's like, I'll go through big periods where I'm like, I hate myself. And it's not even really based off the things that I do. It's more of a not understanding of why I do the things I do or why I say the things I say or why I feel the way I feel or why I let other people's interpretations or perceptions of me as a human or whatever it may be affect my life and how I actually feel about myself so much. So I've battled with that for... Uh, probably my whole life I've always tried to um, you know I've always been like a crowd pleaser kind of like a life of the party type of guy but yeah down inside I've always had something that was missing and I guess I'm on that journey to kind of figure all that stuff out so yeah so with that like internal criticism like do you find that you it makes you better like in some ways like like inside your mind's telling you like you're not good enough at x y and z so you strive to be better in x y and z like do you find yourself being better because of it sometimes I do like when I look on like if I were to say like by the statistics or by the numbers or on paper 
right? I can list out all the things of where I was 14, 15 years ago, even 10 years ago, three years ago, you know, a year ago and how I dealt with situations and the type of person I feel like I see in the mirror if I just write down the qualities and my values and stuff because I wasn't always kind of straight lined. I was pretty selfish for a very long time. I get, I would call it selfish, but dealing with things in my own life that I never opened up about and I'm going through all that right now. So it's like, I set my standards so high that it's like, I'm really bad at being a perfectionist. So if everything isn't absolutely how I saw it or I view it, or I think it should be, it really eats me up inside. And I think that's something that like, if I were to talk about it a lot more, I'd probably feel better about, but I don't at times and I'll go through periods of not opening up about anything and then all of a sudden it just explodes but I've been in a mood in the last few years of just opening up about stuff a lot more and it feels better because I actually like feel like I'm true to myself but at the Mm -hmm. same time it's like it's just so fucking confusing at times but it's definitely I feel like it's worth it for me like if I look at it in a big macro 30 40 years down the line right I'll look back on this period and say like that was the biggest monumental leap of my life you know over the last say three four years of kind of like correcting my priorities and value systems and stuff and how I present myself you know I guess the things I do on the daily but it just sucks when you're going through it yeah you can hear the answers from everybody and you can get advice and stuff and it's always that thing of like I know you know but it it just fucking beats you down and it's like how much more can you take before you just give up or you know before you stop worrying about it but do you become bitter do you become angry right Mm -hmm. vengeful and stuff and then like that isn't me inside because i really hate when people do bad things to other people just because they did bad things to them in the past it doesn't make any sense like eye for an eye makes the whole world blind so yep that's one of the battles with it i guess i'll say it here since we're talking on it and we're on this topic for a little bit but like you know i have like severe depression disorder i have like severe anxiety so like these are all things that i've dealt with forever and i'm kind of just getting like the help and diagnosis of it so but then it's like, it makes you miss the 17-year-old you, you know? Yeah, for sure. At least the perception of me at 17 years old and what other people saw in me. So it's it's kind of awkward to come out about it because like, whatever, everybody that knows me from wherever will look at like where I'm at mentally or whatever right now. And it's like, wait, what the fuck? <laughs> like, you know, people reach out to me like, hey, dude, you all right? Like you're posting some deep stuff here or there or whatever, right? But it's just my thoughts and it's just easier for me to get it out because I think a lot of other people deal with the same things and they don't really talk about it. And mm-hmm. if people cannot feel so alone, then maybe it makes it a little bit easier for people to deal with. Yeah, I'm sure I don't have the whole picture, but I mean, just the last few years, I've seen a ton of growth from you. So I don't think there's anything to be ashamed of there. As much as we all hold everything in uh, on our own, you're at least, you know, strong enough to to work through those solutions for yourself, Yeah. Uh, even if it's still a work in progress. I was going to say that like constant criticism, like that's what I'm torn on right now. Like it's gotten me through a lot of difficult times like any type of challenges that I've faced, that criticism, like holding yourself to a higher standard, being a perfectionist about things when you probably shouldn't be, it's gotten me through it and I'm better for it. But at the same time, like the entire time you're going through it, just eating you up inside yeah. and you wrapped around the axle for, for what? For sure. It's kind of like a daily battle. I don't know. I got some type of anxiety. I got I to gotta work through on my end. I read a quote the other day that someone said, um, or I heard it on a podcast or something and someone was like, life gets really good when you realize that you matter, but also that you don't matter. You know, like, don't get too wrapped up into it. Like, you can make impacts and stuff. But really, in the grand scheme of however long this planet's been here and civilization and where it's going to be, like, nah. You're a blip. Yep. So 
you know, what are you worried about? But eventually we get there. So. All right. So my question is also somewhat deep. They kind of lined up on accident. Usually we have one probably more humorous and then one serious. But my question was, what's more difficult for you? Uh, seeing people succeed that don't deserve it or seeing people struggle who you know deserve to succeed? So I saw this question and I don't know if either one is really difficult or more difficult than the other. And I kind of just take it how it is. And we'll get to this later on on another topic. But I think society kind of equals everything out. People see success to one person is not success to another person. I think it's a little bit more yeah. based in your core values of who you who you believe you are, what you want to do, how other people perceive what you feel like you do and what you are. I guess if I had to pick pick one gun to head, I would say it's harder seeing people people succeed that don't deserve it more so because of what it's going to end up doing to them. Uh, I think ultimately that train crashes really hard and it makes it really difficult for those people so i would rather have somebody struggle that would deserve to succeed because if they're struggling and they're keeping going and stuff there's a lot more that can build within them as opposed to having your perception of success individually but being so isolated or you know like it doesn't really mean much if it doesn't really impact other people yep i had the same answer so that's awesome moving on now to our running back segment uh, with the football season within reach we decided it was time to go over positional rankings so in the next few episodes we'll be covering the running back wide receiver tight end and quarterback positions we'll be using half ppr scoring today we'll be presenting our running back three group so that will be the running back 36 through 25 we'll cover the rb1 and rb2 groups in subsequent episodes so let's go ahead and get started so let's go ahead and start with the guy who ranked number 36 on a list that was averaged out between you nate molinay matt graham the co-commission myself matt's not here to speak to some of the guys he ranked but his rankings were weren't too crazy they were pretty much chalk so let's go ahead and start with number 36 sony michelle i didn't have sony michelle in the top 36 uh for me he came in at 38 so but I just think it's uh, there's too much of an unknown there on what they're going to do with the running back situation. They move him in and out all the time. I don't feel like he's really good in pass protection. So I think that takes him off the field a lot. And that's why you see yeah. guys like the guys that were there, like the James Whites, the Burke heads, and those guys are good at pass protection, catching the ball as well. They're a threat there. And he can catch the ball, but the pass protection stuff, I think he struggles with a little bit. He's a really good downhill runner. Um, but I don't know if I really trusted it enough to put him up in like a RB2 category. Former uh, first round pick, had 247 attempts last year for 900 yards, caught 12 passes for about 100 yards. He averaged nine fantasy points a game i guess there was uncertainty this year going in before cam newton got signed which that was probably in the works like the entire time but it's going to be crowded you're going to have sony michelle you're going to have james white still there rex burkhead and i assume at some point they'll get damien harris involved so i think that's just like one of those backfields we normally do with new england i'm just going to stay away from moving on to number 35 ronald jones what do you have to say about ronald jones and where'd you have him so i had ronald jones down at 45 so the numbers are obviously somewhere else in this that are reaching him up to 35, but I just don't really believe in the guy. I, I do. I like him, but I just don't think he's like great enough to be warranted into like a starting lineup flex role. Really? I wouldn't want him on my team. There's too many variables on what they're going to do there to where I just don't know. So when I don't know a player's real role, I usually tend to bring them down the list quite a bit. So that's why I have not. 
fine. Yeah, Tom Brady arrives. You want to get excited for Ronald Jones, his potential going into 2020. But he had a lot of really low efficiency games last season, coupled with the poor pass protection. So I think that puts some risk with Ronald Jones for me personally, especially with Keyshawn Vaughn there. And as far as pass protection, Jones ranked 66 out of 75 eligible running backs last season. And Tampa Bay opted to only use him 33% of the time as a result in 2019. So he had that big game in week 16, which kind of inflated his numbers just a little bit. But even keeping that game in the equation, he only averaged 9.4 points per game, which was 25th. Uh, amongst running backs so I have him higher on this list than you did but projecting 20 more touches for 2020 he still uh, was close to 30 on my list so I think me and Matt had him a little higher than you did I don't think people really like people can have have, like really good runners but if you're not like super super electric like I think a lot of people don't realize how big pass protection is in the NFL yeah especially with a 72 year old quarterback definitely who has like just bad knees like I'm surprised he doesn't wear all the braces like Peyton Manning. He should. Yeah. All right, number 34 for us was Matt Breida. What do you got on Matt Breida? When you move teams and a team like legit goes out to get you, you know, you have to feel like they got a role a little bit. I think he's proved himself other than injury to be able to uh, run the ball fairly decent and also be able to catch the ball. Great in pass protection. I think he's going to get opportunity. Yeah, so Jordan Howard, you trade for Matt Breida. Like, he's going to have a role there. Hopefully Tua can get some playing time get to see him a little bit and see how that impacts it having a little bit more mobile quarterback with with a guy who can get in open space whether that's little cut routes out of the backfield to drag across to be safety blanket or something like that I'm interested to see what mm-hmm. that's like but I think he's going to have a, a decent role because I think Jordan Howard's on the decline a little bit so I think they're gonna have to split a lot more than your normal like 70 30s 80 20 splits with other teams and stuff like that so I think I project them more 50 50 ish or 60 40 and I think he's gonna get a lot of playing time definitely a guy who's gonna get the passing work uh, he had 123 carries last year for 623 yards and then he caught 19 balls for another 120 so he only averaged 7.2 but that was a pretty crowded backfield and then Raheem Moser and Tevin Coleman kind of took it over towards the end of last year I think he'll be fine in Miami this is probably the right place for him at the back of this running back three group next up was Keyshawn Vaughn I think you were a little higher on this gentleman at the number 33 spot It's just an opportunity thing. I think he's going to end up taking over a role, uh, a pretty significant role there to be able to produce. It might take a little bit, but when I'm looking at guys I want to draft and where I'm going to have them in my draft boards, I'm more likely to grab a guy who's going to have a role later on in the year as as I'm building out the back end of my roster, as opposed to like, like a defined legit role as opposed to taking these guys who are going to share backfields like Tariq Cohen style right who's even if he's the guy he's not going to do much right I think you can see that with Keyshawn Vaughn like he's going to have the role eventually but it's going to take some time to get him acclimated you see him as like the passing down like the chain mover there yeah for sure okay yeah I got him down for 100 about 150 attempts uh, 600 yards, and then almost 30 catches. So definitely getting some passing work once he gets his opportunity. But I think, that, again, this is a good spot for him. Him and Ronald Jones both kind of at the back of the running back three crowd. Uh, number 32 for us was Darius Geis. I had Darius Geis at 35. This is more a representation of the Washington Redskins, Red Wolves, Orange Skins. Whatever Skins, they are. The D.C. Redskins. I don't know what they're going to do. <laughs> Reports came out that this is off topic, but because I don't think we need to really talk about the Redskins and how bad they are, but that some guy went out and got all the trademarks for all of the team names that were going around for the Washington Redskins to change to. Smart. That's so smart. They didn't even trademark the stuff before they decided to put out, like, here's our options of what we're wow. thinking about. So, um, 
I think they're running into an issue there. But I just think they're not that good. I'm intrigued to see what Dwayne Haskins does this year. More so because I just pulled like seven of his rookie cards and three of them are autographed. <laughs> and the nice. box was expensive nice. and I got a bunch of Redskins crap in it. So I think it'd be cool to have those cards eventually if he just comes out to be decent. I just don't think there's a lot of opportunity there for them. Uh, their defense is really good. Their defense oh, yeah. has gotten a lot better this year. So there's a little bit more opportunity. Their other running back is extremely old and going to break something eventually. The guy's got all the talent in the world, but whether he can stay healthy, he's going to yep. have the opportunity. It's just a, a situation I don't want to touch unless I have like a lot of other things in play. Yeah, we are all down on him. His current ADP is 27. So I think we are all in the 30s on guys. I'm lower on him because of his injury history. And then like you mentioned, the number of running backs there in Washington. I'm sure guys, Peterson, Gibson, McKissick, Barber, one or two won't make the roster. So they won't be there week one. But you have to think it'll be some type of committee to start the season his projections on my side are generous at 180 touches 1,000 total yards and six touchdowns so that's if he stays healthy again you want the guy to stay healthy all season and deliver on the potential but it's tough to have confidence in that outcome and unless something changes he's a middling rb3 for me so next up is james white at number 31 i fucking hate this guy i hate him so much (laughs) so james white i had him at 32 more so the backfield, I think, is just too full. I think he has more of a role because he's good in pass protection. Are they going to do the things that they did with, you know, McCaffrey? You know, because Cam's gotten better at throwing the ball a little bit shorter. It's not that hard, but how's he going to fit in there? Are they going to are they going to do more power run because they have Cam there and be able to use Cam's body? Are they going to make him solely pocket? You know, what are they going to do with Cam Newton? The unknown there is just. You know, it, it leaves too much up up for what James White, Sony Michelle, whoever else they want to put in there. Mm-hmm. It's kind of why I'm had him down low. Is this the best quarterback Belichick has had in the last 20 years, not named Tom Brady and Cam Newton? Uh, like I'm trying to figure out how to fix everybody from like the Jared Stidham projections to where Cam Newton moves those projections to. I don't know. I guess if you just had quarterbacks by themselves and where they can fit in anywhere in the NFL, I think that he's... Where he is right now is better than where Garoppolo was, but I think Garoppolo will turn out to be better on. I think Mm -hmm. Garoppolo has a lot of confidence issues because his coaching staffs are very um, strict on what they do. Yeah. He gets to make decisions on the field, unlike Goff. Like, Goff could be decent, but if he could, like, think for himself, but he can't, and that's a... No, he's got to stick to the script. Yeah. And I think that happens a lot with Jimmy Garoppolo, and I think that's why you saw them... All they did was play action slants to Debo or to Kittle drag on the other side. I think Jimmy Garoppolo is a better quarterback overall, but just when it comes to pure pocket passing and everything he can do and fitting in with multiple systems, but the dynamic of Cam Newton being in New England, I think changes everything. They're probably going to either they are going to do absolutely nothing. Stidham's going to be the quarterback or they are going to the Super Bowl or to the AFC championship game. I think they're going to be pretty successful. I'm kind of excited to see what they do, how McDaniels and Belichick use him and kind of employ him in their offense, or if they change their offense to have a, you know, more mobile quarterback. So looking forward to that. Contract was really good too, because they gave him, you know, a low end contract with a lot of incentive. And it's like, he's the, he seems like the type of person who, I mean, people, question his off-field stuff or whatever and the clothes that he wears but no one's ever questioned his work ethic and uh, people just don't like his arrogance and stuff and I think that he will fit in really well because he has a chip on his shoulder no other team called no other team in New England ended up being like hey we'll just give you a little bit of cash for what you're really worth in the market we're just going to come here 
he's going to fit in and he's just going to bust his ass and he has something to prove. And I think Belichick does too. I think you can definitely hate, you know, the stuff he wears or his arrogance, but if you really want to get a, like a behind the scenes look into like his work ethic, um, you can check out all or nothing. I think they were on in like 2017 or 2018 it's where they follow the team kind of like hard knocks, but they follow the team behind the scenes during the whole season. Oh, that's cool. So I think it's pretty cool. Like not only do you get to see his work ethic, but that season you get to see like how injured he was. Yeah. And that was, yeah, so that was two years ago. That wasn't last season. He got done so dirty in Carolina. Like, I'm sure he could have played. And they left Kyle Allen there to, like, do his thing or whatever. And they were absolute trash. Now Kyle Allen's with the Redskins. And they're absolute trash, too. And now they have Teddy Bridgewater as a quarterback. They gave him a decent contract, too. They gave him a fat contract. Like, he's yeah. like the Nick Foles, like, minus the Super Bowl. <laughs> Like the guy just keeps yeah. getting paid, you know, or Mike Glennon or something like that. And it's, it, it makes no fucking sense. It's intriguing. I just don't ever know anything with New England. And I've tried that before and I'm going to stay away. So James White at 32. We went down a rabbit hole, but I just, I'm curious like how that affects like whoever the two or three running backs are that emerge um, for New England. But I was even lower on him prior to the news about Cam signing there. I've got his projection substantially lower than 2019 and he still made it to the top 36. Um, not 100% sure how Cam and Belichick are going to utilize that crowded backfield this next season, but there's little doubt that James White will at least get some of that work in the passing game. Moving on to number 30, Damian Williams. Damian Williams I had at 29. This is more about replacement value for me. Uh, I don't care about what he's going to do solo. I probably won't touch him unless I have the people that are ahead of him in the depth chart, who I would assume would be Clyde Edwards. So it's more so replacement value in that spot. So I have him at 29 because I would rather have him in that spot as a handcuff as opposed to these other guys who would have like a decent maybe role because I'll end up with two running backs, maybe three in the top 24 of my rankings for 24. So I wanted I want insurance on those guys. And that's yeah. pretty consistent in what I've done across all my leagues over time. So that's why I rated him a lot higher. 29. Yeah, I had him a little lower at 34. Definitely has that replacement value if Hilaire goes down. I think he's also kind of like a bridge because I don't think Hilaire is going to get worked in like right away. I think it might take him a little bit. Damian Williams is definitely going to be a bargain. He's currently going as the 32nd running back off the board. So last year he had 148 touches, 700 yards, seven touchdowns, despite that crowded backfield. It was crowded and then they signed LaShawn McCoy at the beginning of the season. Yeah, so the thing is, it's like, like he started off in like the fifth, sixth rounds. And then as things started going, like he got all the way up into the second round of drafts. Yep. Damian Williams did. And um, last year, I, I don't like, I mean, they won the fucking Super Bowl. But it was odd because that's the first time in like 14 years that Andy Reid's actually split backfield. Uh, he's always a, a lead running back guy. So he yeah. has one and then he saves the others. And that's why you see these guys like, Kareem Hunt or Spencer Ware or whoever come in, Damian Williams, everybody produces. So I don't see him going back into like splitting stuff. It's kind of a shame. I don't think they're doing a preseason this year, are they? It doesn't sound like it. So it's kind of sucks because he's not going to get game time there. I wouldn't expect him. They had a lot of problems last year for how good they were and they got bailed out. And I think a lot of it came down to running back consistency because yep. things changed so much that it I don't think they do that. So I think he's like a pure handcuff for me as opposed to like his own solo value that I don't want to have on my roster. I just, you know, like I said earlier, I don't like those guys who are going to give me four or five points, six points, and I'm reliant on them. Like if I'm in a bye week situation, cool. But if I got to make a decision between that guy and someone else, I'm in a bad spot. 
for where I'd like to be. He's just insurance for you then. For sure. All right, moving up to number 29. For us, we averaged out and we had Kareem Hunt. Yep, so Kareem Hunt, I am at 34 there. This is another pure handcuff situation for me. I don't see him having like a good enough role to be rosterable for me on his own without the likes of Chubb. I think Chubb is extremely durable. I think that Chubb's going to do really well this year also. So I would like to have him as a, he's one of my top handcuffs being there's 32 teams in the NFL and you have him ranked at 34 and it's solely just for replacement value for me. So I would, he's a guy I would love to have if I have a Nick Chubb on my team. But other than that, I don't like the standalone value. You were a little lower. I have him at 26. Uh, Matt had him at 28. From week 10 on last season, when he came back, Hunt was the running back 18 in terms of fantasy points per game. This was with Nick Chubb as the RB12 at 13.4. In those games, he picked up 40 rushing attempts for 175, and he added 33 catches for 250. Cleveland didn't have the greatest offensive line. They shore that up. He figures to play a large role in the passing game and dispel Nick Chubb throughout the game each week. We've mentioned it several times, but one of, if not the best handcuffed, as you mentioned, um, and you can play him throughout the season, I feel, as a flex. I feel good where I have him considering the productivity at the end of last season once he got in and then with the uncertainty in terms of... So I think you got to look at maybe people don't like my tips because they just look at my record last year, right? Like, I took all the players that were hurt or not signed or holding out and stuff, right? It was just a boomer bust. Let me try it and see what this works. And it didn't. But when you're looking at coaches and new head coaches and new offensive coordinators and stuff, you got to look at, like, their coaching tree where they come from, who they worked under, right? Where they, even if they're like a film assistant under a team or something, like if you look at their history, you can get a sense of what they know, right? If they're a quarterback coach under a certain offensive coordinator, what do they know? What are they comfortable with? Because if they weren't doing, most of those guys tend to do the same things that they were taught and what they know. You know, like when you get a job, it's like, why why are we hiring this guy? Well, it's because he worked under Kubiak and worked under these people, right? And we shirt up this offensive line and Chubb and like, how are they going to utilize players and stuff? Because how does it work in those other places that were successful or other offensive coordinators that are really successful and the type of schemes they run and, you know, all that kind of stuff. They run an outside zone scheme and how are they going to block? And you can get a sense of that if you do that little bit of dig on what is a coach going to do, you can make a better prediction into that and then adjust as necessary. So you don't view Kareem Hunt, he's going to be on a different team in 2021. You don't view him being used like at all to at least like showcase him like throughout the season. I don't think the Browns have an incentive for him. Like he's not going to be a tradable asset. I don't think in the year they drafted a pretty decent running back too. I believe. I don't think that there's many teams that are going out in this today's day and age that are going out to Mm -hmm. trade for a Kareem hunt. I think that the team that does try to do that has to be a bottom feeder or a team who doesn't give a shit like a New England Patriots Las Vegas Raiders to take a guy like that. Yeah. I don't see a guy like that going to Detroit or, you know, or running backs are a dime a dozen. So his time made it may have just ran out in the NFL. He was given a chance. The dude can play. Every running back in the NFL can play. Toby Gerhardt had a job for quite a while. (laughs) I don't think they have an incentive because they're not going to get much for him a fourth fifth round pick or something like that for a guy who's on decline has a history of things that are not very good, you know, and the Browns are just the Browns, so they were able to get get away with it. I mean, they took heat for a little bit, and then everybody forgets, you know, like the Tyree Kill situation. Everybody forgets because someone dropped charges. That's true. You make a good point. We're having a logical conversation about Cleveland, and at the end of the day, they're the Browns, so they're going to Brown. Still the Browns. So <laughs> let's go ahead and move on to number 28. 
Devin Singletary. Yep. So I had Devin Singletary at 27. I like this dude too, but I just don't think, I mean, they're good, but how many t- more touchdowns is he going to get vultured out of from their freaking quarterback? Right. Like Allen's he's going to vulture. Touchdowns Josh Allen's sure. going to score six, seven rushing touchdowns, you know, in the season. And it's like those rushing touchdowns come out of a running back and, you know, they're not getting crazy amounts of touchdowns all the time. So it's not like the touchdown factor really hurts his stock for me to where I'm not really comfortable having him as an RB two on my team. He is a guy that I would, I wouldn't mind having as a flex option as my third running back because there's, I think the ceiling is a, a little bit bigger for him because if what happens if they do try to protect Josh Allen or he does get more opportunity at the goal line, yep, you know, he's going to get the yards and stuff because they're able to run the ball. I really like the dude. I like his situation, except for the fact that he gets vulture touchdowns and that's big, like 60 points over 13 weeks. I mean, you're losing out on four and a half points a game. So you can go from like a guy who gets 14 points a game on average to getting it like closer to eight or nine mm-hmm. out of a starting running back. I don't like that. Yeah, it lowers his floor. He's got a high ceiling, though. I like him, too. I had him at 28. Great yards per carry last season, 5.1. I know we have Moss there. Solid in the passing game. I see his opportunities as limited again, though, in 2020 because of Moss. Despite projecting 30 more touches for him in 2020, uh, he settled in here for me as a high-end running back three. I'd gladly put more into his projections, but with Zach Moss there and Josh Allen, his tendency to tuck and run, it, it's tough to have him any higher. Yep. All right, next guy we have at the 27th spot is DeAndre Swift. I love Georgia running backs. I think they're amazing. It's a factory that puts out some of the best, right? Man, like, are they going to be able to run the ball there? <laughs> historically no no maybe they get a guy who they really believe in right that feels a little bit better but do they split it because those are the things that you know the coaching staff is used to as far you know as far as like head coach and stuff like uh it's just too many unknown stuff i'd like to take more of a chance on him i think his ceiling <laughs> can be pretty decent but i don't know how often they're gonna run the bike i just don't ever really commit to it mm-hmm. meh um, I had Man. I had thirty. I got him at twenty five. Uh, carry on Johnson before getting injured in twenty nineteen had games with sixteen carries, twelve, twenty, twenty six, and thirteen. Uh, we know Carry on Johnson isn't a running back who can handle large workloads, so Swift is a, definitely a welcome addition to the backfield there. I think both those guys will benefit from the committee. And if last season was any indication, I think Detroit wants to get their running game off the ground. So I have him for just over two hundred touches, which slid him perfectly in here uh, in the. High-end running back three group for me. All right, next guy is Cam Akers at number 26. Uh, Yeah, I'm way higher than everybody on this. You were a lot higher than I Matt and myself. Cam Akers at 16. You're going to tell me that the guy who was a almost consensus number one pick two years ago, granted, change a little bit, but the offensive scheme is still there. They don't have the injury concern stuff with a girly but Nate what about that offensive line I think that their offensive line struggles can put this guy he's still going to be in RB2 high-end RB2 because of the mind of their coach when it comes to the running game I think he shits his bed when it comes to the passing game really bad because he doesn't trust Jared Goff but when it comes to the running game, I think they're going to be decent. They still have people to throw the ball to, to keep them honest. I think the dude is just, if you said that Todd Gurley was a Ram this year, Todd Gurley wouldn't be outside of RB2 land. Why wouldn't Cam Akers be there, right? It's just because you haven't seen the guy play. They get rid of Todd Gurley, but it's like 
backfield's open and it's his. If I got a guy who's going to be the lead back for a team that has a coach that can scheme, you know, and hopefully he can progress, I think he will. I, I can't not have him be one of my a second, end of the second, third round pick for me. He's got to yeah. be there because what's really changed so much, I mean, yeah, some offensive line stuff, but I think good schemes can identify players and weaknesses within your offensive line to be able to scheme around that. Yeah, so current ADP has him as the running back 30, and that's where I had him ranked. So 30 coming off the board. I'm with ECR there. Uh, I'm also a Rams fan, and I love hype, but I'm also realistic. And what I saw last year with the offensive line wasn't good. I think McVay saw it too. So much so, he changed his scheme to help cover up some deficiencies there, using 12 personnel more often last season. Um, I went and did a little bit of research, and in 2018, they did 12 personnel 8% of the time. Last season, that number was almost tripled to 21% in 2019. The Rams are also going into 2020 with the exact same offensive line, so I'm not optimistic there. Uh, I understand Cam Akers had success behind a bad offensive line um, in college, but at the NFL level, I think I think things are just a little bit different. So I'm just tempering my expectations for him. I want to have him higher, but I have to dial back his numbers a little bit. And with that, he slid down my rankings back into this uh, mid running back three territory. They spent their first draft pick on Cam Akers, which was uh, I think a mid second round pick. So you think they're going to use him, but they have Darrell Henderson there still too. I don't, I don't know what's going on with him. I don't think that they dropped a guy in the first round to split 50, 50 or be on the 40 side of 60 or the 30 side of 70. You don't spend first round capital when you have offensive line issues on a running back to not have him be a bell cow. And I'm not letting a bell cow go below one and a half because there's just not enough. So if you give me the opportunity, I'm going to take it. I think this is just another one of those things like with New England, like we would benefit, you know, from seeing, you know, week three preseason, how they employ these guys and how they do behind that offensive line. But I don't think we're going to get that this year. So, you know, we're taking a gamble. You're taking a gamble, taking that high. I don't know. We'll see how that works out. Or you're taking a risk, taking them that low. You know what? It's win-win for me. If it doesn't work out, you know, you're going to (laughs) suck. And if it does work out, the Rams are going to be pretty good because the run game is going to be working. So I win either way. That's how I see things. The last running back we're going to talk about today is number 25, and that is Raheem Mostert. Yeah, I got him at 21. I believe that's above everybody else. I think the dude showed that he can handle a workload. He can stay healthy for some I don't know why they didn't just pound the damn rock with him in the Super Bowl. Kyle Shanahan shit the bed again in the Super Bowl. Second time. Yeah, I had them by the nads, and that was the difference. Even when he ran the ball, you were looking at eight yards every <laughs> single time, right? And I don't think they make that mistake. I think after two of those, when you have a GM in John Lynch, who's a defensive-minded smash mouth guy, I think they have that conversation of, hey, man, like, I think they're on good enough terms, too, to have those conversations and not have it be awkward and be like, bro, we're fucking pounding the rock. And yeah, yeah, there's going to be some share there, a guy like Tevin Coleman, but Breida's out of there. For some reason, they love Breida a lot. It was good, but the guy couldn't stay healthy, so why not just run this dude? He's in the later stages of his career. You know, he's been around, but he's got a shot. Yeah, he's got low miles, though. He was he was like a journeyman. Mentality there um, for running the ball, like you see in Baltimore, where it's like, you know where we're going. We're going to run it here between the tackle, and we are going to pop you right in the mouth. And I think that's a mindset that the Niners have. And I think they are going to expand a little bit more with Jimmy G to be able to open up lanes there. Them drafting a wide receiver really helps with that. A wide receiver who's really electric, who I think may be the best wide receiver in the draft class. And they shirt up the line a little bit more too. And I think that's what they're just going to do. Just pound the rock with people. 
I don't know if players are going to be afraid of COVID. And if they are, who else do you want? Raheem Mostert. I mean, the guy just averages a ton of yards and good, especially when it gets cold and it gets cold there in the Bay Area at nighttime. Like that's an advantage and stuff like that. That definitely doesn't really factor into my analysis too much. We'll get to that in another podcast. I don't see how you don't correct that. Yeah, these teams play not to lose the game. And every time they shoot themselves in the foot. So fool me once. That's two times now for Shanahan. So I don't know. We'll see. At least he got back there. So he's not like McVay. That's fair enough. As of July 16th, there still isn't news on any type of restructure for Raheem Mostert and his contract there. But I assume he'll play. He doesn't really have much leverage. Uh, I've talked on previous episodes about Mostert being capable of hitting 1,000 yards. I'm dialing it back even with projecting 30-plus additional touches. In 2019, he rushed for 770 yards and picked up an additional 180 through the air. Still a high-end running back, too, but Coleman always seems to get his share, especially working with Shanahan there. And they did get rid of Matt Breida, but Jarek McKinnon is still there. I don't know if he'll make the roster. I figure there'll be some type of committee there. I do like Mostert. I want to move him up, but I just don't know if he's going to be the guy. I think Coleman will get a lot of work there, kind of like Freeman and Coleman did in Atlanta. All right, before we move on, let's take a quick break. All right, welcome back. Did you all of a sudden get a sticky, sweet, syrupy taste in the back of your mouth? Well, that's because it's time for our International House of Hot Takes segment. I'll let you go first so I can get nice and triggered before reading mine. Trigger, 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 trigger. And my hot take for today, hear me out. It's okay for people to be racist. What? (laughs) I'm so jealous you have that. Hear me out. What is racist? If you had to define racist, right? It's a belief. It's a belief that other people are inferior to your race or you hate a certain person because of the color of their skin or where they're from or whatever like that right it's an extreme prejudice is what it is right i don't think it is worth the energy in 2020 for people to care about if people are racist it's perfectly legal for someone to be racist if you can be for me picking and choosing who you want to be with by the color of someone's skin by where they're from or anything like that and closing yourself off from the world is no different than being christian muslim atheist anything like that if you could pick and choose your religion you should be able to pick and choose if you don't like people by the color of their skin it's not saying that i'm a racist but i don't have a problem with it and here's why it's because society is going to weed those people out what ends up happening when you tell your kid someone's picking on your kid at school right don't go around that person don't give them energy don't give them time because they're really they're not good people right and then what happens that person gets alienated and then at some point in your life you either go your whole life living that right? Wondering why no one wants to be around you. No one wants anything to do with you. You're just solo dolo because you hate people because of, you know, they get a better tan than you or whatever the pigment in their skin is or where they're, wherever they're from. You're either going to die a really lonely life or you're going to look yourself in the mirror and say, maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. Maybe you put khakis on, grab a tiki torch, go to a rally, lose your job. Maybe that happens. You could, right? Like a lot of things, like society will weed you out. People in your, in your job, they're going to find out that you're racist. They might say something, you know, maybe they say something to you. Maybe they say that something to someone else. It's going to come out and it's going to be seen and people don't want that around them. Good luck finding employment unless you run your own racist business, actively being a racist, right? Like society will weed those people out in 2020. I think our days of, other than in the religious sense, our days of like Nazi Germany, you know, that term gets thrown out so easily nowadays of 
you know, you're a Nazi or something like that because you support a, whatever, a president or a movement or whatever it is, right? Or you don't agree with this. What are you, some type of racist or Nazi? We're not going in those directions where those people are going to gain enough steam because society's going to weed them out. Society will isolate them. The same thing like with people that started up Chaz. Whoop-de-doo, you lasted a couple weeks and after a couple of days, you're begging everybody for food. Especially with like a camera on every single phone. Yeah, and maybe that fuels more hate in them and stuff like that, right? But they're going to get, like if you break the law, you're going to break the law and you're going to go to jail more than likely especially with the amount of media that's out there and viralness because everybody wants to be some fucking social warrior it's going to work itself out eventually and i don't think it's worth our time fulfilling more hatred in those people right oh they're attacking me this is this just leave them alone they want to be assholes let them be assholes it's not against the law but stop feeding the trolls the universe is just going to weed it out because it's not good like we don't really care for that kind of stuff right and if they want to they want to sit there and be racist let them be that's their problem like why you know this is something i struggle with in my own life when people want to be shitty or people want to treat you bad you don't have to talk to them you don't have to be around them right and sooner or later they're gonna look in the mirror and be like fuck i have no friends other than people who believe in this one thing right cool or you want to be a racist? Okay, don't go by, I don't know, whatever, whoever ends up taking over fucking Aunt Jemima. You know, don't go buy that fucking, like, we're not going to sell it to you. I know you like it. It's for the best syrup out there. Um, But, you know, stuff like that. So that's why I don't think, I think it's totally fine for people to be racist. It's going to work itself out. And I really don't care. If there's racist people, it sucks. But the more you feed into it, the more that they're going to go at it. So in alone. Let them do their thing. If they're hurting people, if they're doing things that are illegal, then take care of it. But to sit there and say you're you're a racist and that's wrong, that's a moral issue. And that's how I view racism. It's the same thing with religions for me. It's a morality thing. You have your own beliefs. I have my own beliefs. You can believe mm-hmm. whatever you want. That's your right, right? Yeah, if you acknowledge it and you fight it, you're just stoking the flames. You're, you're battling someone's moral ethics. Yeah. Like, that's not something that is against the law. So why... It's okay. You want to believe that? Believe that. Cool. You know, um, and anybody who says they're not racist, I would, racism all stems from some type of prejudice, right? You don't know why somebody has a race issue. You don't know if some kid got, watched his dad get killed by a white dude growing up, right? Watched him get throat slit and said, you know, whatever, remember this moment for the rest of your life, whatever, calls him some name or something like that, right? Or someone gets shot by a black dude and it's like one of their parents or something. And now they have all this hate because of what they've dealt with in life, right? Like I empathize with those people because they're missing out on so much, but you don't know what they've been through to be able to mold their mindset to not like people of that, right? Of that color. Yeah. And maybe it, it's so traumatizing that anytime they get around it, they're fucking fearful, right? You're fearful because your last interaction was the fact that it plays in your head every single day that your parents got shot by this person of this color. And anybody who doesn't believe that is a possibility, I would dare them to go walk down the streets of Afghanistan or Iraq or Syria and not look at people and judge them by the color of their skin just because there's a badass group of people that's like the biggest gang in the mm-hmm. world right now that is taking over lands and say that they don't have some type of prejudice based off the person's skin color. I can say yeah. that I did. I was fucking scared shitless the first time I walked into mall and guitar, but that's because yeah. my own, that's because my own experience and understanding the cultures of the Middle East, my first real exposure to anything like where the Middle East was or the people that live over there. Like I knew, Indians because they ran all the gas stations around our fucking area. They're fucking good at monopolizing, man. Those guys, people from other countries make so much, are such better business people and successful than a lot of Americans. But that's another rant. When I walk in there, the only thing I know is fucking 9 11. And ever since that, we've been at war with people in the Middle East and everybody looks the same. What if everybody 
some kid in Indiana who grew up in a big white town got his parents got killed by Mexicans or something like that, right? Well, you're not going to meet a lot of fucking Mexicans in Indiana. So it shapes your perspective. So I don't know, man. Like, I don't, I just don't think it's a battle worth really fighting. I think your energy is better directed somewhere else. Like that guy who was on Joe Rogan, it kills me. I don't remember his name, but like he's a black dude and he went, he went into the KKK white supremacist like culture and got to know like a hundred or 200 of these guys. And like one by one, as he gets to know these guys, like he's getting them away from, from that environment. Cause they get to know, you know, what a person who they have hated their entire life is really like, and that their culture is not what, you know, they thought it was based off those preconceived notions that you that you mentioned for sure man everybody loves fucking tacos i i think everybody likes hot dogs i think that's the only thing that we really have that and maybe like a grilled cheese as white folk you know but yeah everybody loves fucking bomb ass fried chicken you know like the stereotypes that are out there everybody loves that kind of stuff like everybody can once you break down those little barriers within people and maybe they have to see it themselves Mm -hmm. through isolation like when you're alone it can fuck your head up so much to where you spend a lot of time looking in the mirror and you either hate more which is cool you can hate if you want it's not against the law just a moral issue Uh, i don't think we need to battle moral issues so definitely a hot take at face value but as you explain it like i i actually agree with you that energy can definitely be better placed somewhere else 100 percent on board uh my previous hot take revolved around pizza and burgers i'm gonna shift gears here and fire a laser guided precision munition at the newest jurassic park movies so the new trilogy they got going with Chris Pratt. I watched the second installment of this trilogy recently, and I got to say it's hot garbage. It's terrible. Uh, I'm not optimistic that the third one will save the trilogy either. The same guy, Colin Trevorrow's back, and he wrote and produced the first two. So I guess the first trilogy is kind of like the, the second one in the sense that the first one was amazing, right? Kind of was a surprise to all of us, but the sequels just weren't as good. The second one wasn't quite as good, and the third one was just terrible. But Jurassic World was not nearly as good as the first Jurassic Park, in my opinion. And the sequel was so bad, it's like comparing apples and a heaping pile of dinosaur shit. So sorry, Chris Pratt, but you're also like my fourth favorite Chris behind Chris Evans, Chris Hemsworth, and Chris Pine. I'm sorry if you're a Jurassic World fan. So do you have any faith that the third movie would be better than the second? No. So if it's half good, it's going to be pretty decent for me. My expectations are so low. Did you watch the second one? Yeah, it's terrible. It's bad. It's really bad. Did not like it at all. On your pizza, guys' take, stop shitting on people who want to put whatever they want to put on their fucking pizza, whatever you want can be on pizza that's what pizza is it's the most dynamic like a hamburger the most dynamic piece of food that is out there hey take your negative energy towards my negative perception of pineapple pizza and take it somewhere else we just had a whole conversation on hate (laughs) and you're over here hating the fact that someone wants to put pineapple on their pizza and nope i won't even eat the pineapple because listen i'll take it off the pizza and the problem is is that people do this thing and they call it fucking hawaiian not a single person eats ham and pineapple pizzas in Hawaii, right? So it's horse shit, but that is the worst way to eat pineapple on the pizza. It's just that. That is fucking disgusting, and that's what makes it really bad. You have to have something that's spicy on the other end. So if you do something like pepperoni, you throw some jalapenos on there, maybe some banana peppers, a little bit of bacon maybe, and then some pineapple, it's okay. I'm not really big into it, but I'm not going to shit on it. My daughter, she loves it because everybody hates it. So she orders pineapple pizza, only pineapple on pizzas. That's smart. No one will touch their pizza. It's like how I eat carrot cake. Oh, what kind of cake you want for your birthday, Nate? I'll take a carrot cake. Nobody else likes carrot cake. My birthday. Listen, this this is a topic that is two hot takes old, so I'm not going to expand on it anymore. You brought it up. So please continue to support the show by subscribing, rating, reviewing, and sharing. 
You can also check out the 58 West King Fantasy Football website at 58wkfantasy.com. You'll find links to our social media there, a few well-written articles, league info, podcast updates, and a forum where you can talk about how much you also hate pineapples on pizza. If you wouldn't mind, go check out the Taco Corp Fantasy Football League podcast. Um, that is for the league that I run, also known as Taco Corp Fantasy Football League. That's why the name of the podcast is Taco Corp Fantasy Football League Podcast. Math checks out. It checks out. In case you didn't hear that, Taco Corp Fantasy Football League Podcast, please subscribe. No, it's fun. You know, that's kind of where all these things generated from. You get to meet a lot of people, even the people who don't, who some of the feedback I get, people enjoy hearing the stories and stuff of, you know, I did one with my brother or some people that we don't know, people that I met. You know, there's just random people are like, oh, like, it's kind of cool to hear that person's perspective on this or this and this, or that brought me back to talking about wrestling or thinking about that, you know, and it's just, it's just fun to do meet some people that play fantasy football have a common interest we do a lot more edgy things on tucker court fantasy football league podcast too so we just have a lot of fun you got any episodes coming out soon nate yep so i got four episodes in the hopper right now so i have an episode with a buddy who met through another buddy that everybody hates in clint uh, his name's james michael uh, that want to be out here probably by the time you listen to this there is a probably roughly around a four hour banger with a common buddy of a bunch of us named DC, who is also our uh, hosting service and cybersecurity for our websites. The Minister of Wireless Security, I think is what we The Minister of Wireless Security for a very prominent online shopping platform that you, you may have heard of him. I mean, it, he's in a prime spot. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I got one with him, another one with Brandon Beisner. It's a pretty a little doozy, quick little 20, 25-minute one with him, and then another one with Nick Oliveris coming out soon. So look out for that. We'll be doing a lot more stuff on there here shortly. All right, that does it for us. Looking forward to the next two episodes as we get through these running back rankings. I think it's only right to finish this one off with a self-deprecating Jurassic Park quote. So some of the worst things imaginable have been done with the best intentions. That's either in reference to my performance today on this episode or Jurassic World. We'll never know. All right, Nate. Take care, buddy. All right. Slap my ass and call me Susan. (laughs) (laughs) That sounded better than... Uh, I pictured it in my head.